the Public News Service Snowy Newscast, June the 30th, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. Another important U.S. Supreme Court ruling this month has been overshadowed by the controversy about overturning abortion rights. At issue was a landmark 1966 decision on Miranda rights, the statement that police read to people as they're arrested. Vincent Bonventry, a distinguished professor of law at Albany Law School, says the high court is making a distinction between Miranda protections and the Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. While an individual can sue under 1983 for a violation of his constitutional right against compelled self-incrimination, the court said that the individual cannot not sue under 1983 for violation of Miranda rights because Miranda rights aren't constitutional rights. The 1983 Bonventry refers to is Section 1983 of the Ku Klux Klan Act, an amendment to the 1871 law which allows people to file lawsuits if they feel their constitutional rights have been violated. The new ruling means in these cases, a person cannot sue law enforcement officials under federal civil rights law for Miranda warning violations. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. The original 1966 case, Miranda v. Arizona, has for decades provided a safeguard for people against the right to self-incrimination through forced confession. A campaign in Maine is gathering signatures to replace the state investors-owned energy grid with one that is consumer-owned. Central Maine Power and Versant serve the majority of Maine utility customers, but they consistently rank low for customer satisfaction see some of the most frequent power outages, and have high rates. Seth Berry is the former House Chair of the Maine Legislature's Energy Committee, but left recently to work on getting this initiative on the 2023 ballot. It's based on a bill that passed in 2021 to invest in a consumer-owned utility, but was vetoed by the governor. This is a great opportunity for us to change it up and say, at least here in Maine, we're going to be independent. We're going to have local control. It's a better business model. It's proven to work better. And that's where we're heading. Barry says the campaign is on track to have enough signatures. Opponents argue a publicly funded model would be too expensive. I'm Lee Bolke, reporting. Research does show by removing the profit incentives for current investor-owned companies, Mainers could save up to $9 billion over about 30 years. NPR reports the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol has now issued a subpoena to former White House counsel Pat Cipollone. A critical figure in the final days of the Trump White House, who the committee has been publicly pleading with to appear. They report the committee has spoken to Cipollone in an informal interview, but Vice Chair Liz Cheney has argued from the dais for him to appear publicly. This is PNS. Students may be settled into their summer break, but in Minnesota, some remain focused on setting a peaceful tone ahead of their return to school. Through a CDC grant, the group Nonviolent Peace Force has teamed up with the district for the Building Peaceful Schools project at two city high schools. Student advisory groups work with peers and administrators on things such as relationship building and de-escalation. Jasani Bland is a recent graduate of Roosevelt High School. She says she appreciated student-led discussions about certain scenarios. If your friend tells you they're going to be getting into a fight after school, are you going? Are you going to be the person that's recording? And it created a big conversation. Like You're not a good friend if you're not going to be there for your best friend that's fighting. But then on the other hand, you're encouraging violence. You should be discouraging them. Program leaders say after the July 4th holiday, they'll open up a safe space for weekly discussions while holding new training sessions. I'm Mike Moen.
And California considering a lot of proposals to reduce carbon emissions. Now a plan to scrub existing pollution is moving forward. AB 2649, which just passed the State Senate Environmental Quality Committee on Wednesday, sets a big goal to remove 60 million metric tons of carbon from the atmosphere per year by 2030, all by harnessing nature. Ellie Cohen is CEO of a nonprofit statewide advocacy group called the Climate Center. She says the plan to sequester more carbon in the ground will slow climate change and help the environment. Anything that we do to improve the soil, to help hold more water when it does rain, it helps to replenish groundwater, it supports biodiversity, it supports food security, it helps ensure cleaner air. So you get many, many co-benefits that help us to be more resilient. I'm Suzanne Potter. And finally, Eric Galatis reports that migrants to Pitkin County added a quarter billion dollars to the county's adjusted gross income in 2020, according to a new Delhi Yonder report. But rising housing costs are also pushing low-wage workers into longer commutes or to find jobs in more affordable places. Megan Lawson with Headwaters Economics says resort towns will find it much harder to keep businesses viable if they can't find ways to create more affordable housing for workers. The people who want to live and work in these places won't be able to. You know, we saw that last summer in the winter as communities were taking really extraordinary measures to find a way for businesses to stay open because they couldn't find workers who could live in their communities. Aspen was named the most expensive neighborhood in the country in 2020 with a median home price of $1.7 million. Pitkin County also has a higher share of employees that commute to work from outside the county than other Colorado counties. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service, member and listener supported. We're heard on radio stations big and small, your favorite podcast platform, and find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.